Uh, here we go. Three, two, one. Praise God. All right. Well, here we are again, uh, class number 15, and I'm excited about it. And based on the energy in the room, I would say uh, you guys and gals are too. And so praise God. We, uh, we are thankful for everybody joining us online. If I can get this thing to swap over here. There we go. Amen. And so um, let's pray and we'll get on about it. Amen. Father, thank you for another day of life. Lord, every, everything that's good in our lives comes from you, Father. You're the, you're the source of every good thing. Every good and complete gift comes from you, comes down from you to us. And Lord, we just uh, pause for a moment to say thank you. Um, Lord, your word's very clear. The best way to come into your presence is to come thankful. And so, Lord, we come into your presence thankful. We come before the presence of your living word tonight thankful. And Lord, we open up our hearts and our minds to the ministry and, and workings of the Holy Spirit in this room. Jesus, you said the Holy Spirit would take what was yours and uh, just give it to us, explain it to us, manifest it to us, make it known, make it real, make it plain to us, Father. And so we thank you for the, the gift of your Son. We thank you, Jesus, for the gift of the Holy Spirit and how all uh, three members of the Trinity are working together on our behalf tonight. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for believing the best about us. Thank you for never giving up on us. Thank you for always being there for us, Lord. And, and we're here tonight because of you. And uh, we made it this, to this point in our lives because of you. And so, Father, we, we look to you tonight now and thank you for uh, renewing our minds and changing our lives. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. and amen. Praise God. All right, so let me put the title slide back up one more time. Uh, class 15, we're going to talk a little more tonight about the word of his power. Or I don't, did we, ever, we didn't get there really last week, so not just a little more about it. We're going to get on to that tonight. And then uh, one of my favorite classes and, and over the years has been one of the favorites of, of those who, t who are in attendance is uh, the section on heavens plural, heavens plural. Sometimes we talk about heaven, singular, but we see so many times in the scriptures where heavens is there plural, meaning more than one. Okay, and so uh, hopefully you're intrigued and hopefully we'll have time to get to that tonight. If not, we'll certainly get there uh, next week. Praise God. All right, so let's, um, let's begin tonight in Hebrews chapter 5. These are verses that we have looked at uh, once before. But it's a good spot for us to, to jump in tonight. Hebrews chapter 5 and verses 12 through 14, it says, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Amen. And so part of my uh, responsibility, part of my assignment is to deliver to people what the Bible calls the sincere milk of the Word. Uh, but we also know that if we're going to grow and develop, our diet's going to have to change. If we're going to mature and, and grow and, and be strong uh, in the things of God, then we've got to at some point move beyond the milk to the meat of the Word. And so that's what we do here uh, as we start. We, we do it in moderation, but have you noticed that as the classes have progressed, um, the meals are getting a little um, <laughs> more substantial that, that we're putting before you. Uh, it's very easy to pour milk in a bottle, put a nipple on it, and hand it to a baby. Okay, uh, It takes very little effort to prepare that meal. 
and it takes very little effort for someone to ingest uh, that meal, okay? But when we talk about meat and taters, I mean, it takes more to prepare that meal, and it takes more effort to partake of that meal, and it takes more effort to digest that meal. And when we talk about the digestion, this is when what we're eating spiritually uh, is becoming a part of us, amen? It's, 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 it's becoming integrated into us. Uh, our, it's altering our personalities, amen? It's, it's uh, affecting our emotions, and, and of course, all of this is good. Remember, Jesus said these things like this, I've said these things to you so that my joy might be in you, amen? I've, I've said these things to you so that you can have my peace. So with the Word of God comes the wisdom of God, comes the power of God, and then we see that those things, as we take them into our being, praise God, they begin to work in us and, and ultimately uh, shape uh, you know, the outward part of us. Amen. Our lives being transformed through the renewing or the reconditioning of our mind. And, of course, the renewing, the reconditioning of our mind um, taking place by the work of the Holy Spirit in us and by the work of the Holy Word of God um, in us. Amen. And so I'm thankful for the milk of the Word. I'm, I'm thankful for people who still need that, and, and we're more than happy to, uh, to serve them that. But one of the reasons why we've done this class for 20 years is to give people an opportunity who are looking for more and more in-depth study and training and learning uh, where, where they can come and, and receive that. And so with the Holy Spirit's help, that's, that's what we've been doing. And we're kind of turning up the heat a little bit. I mean, when I say the heat, you understand what I'm saying? We, we're, we're getting a little more deeper into things, and, and it's, a, it's progressive, amen, and, um, and the best is yet to come. Praise God. All right, so he's talking about then people who have been saved for a very long time, have been in church for a very long time, but have not grown despite having maybe been born again for decades. They're still as spiritual babes when they should have developed into uh, spiritual adults and should be able to prepare and feed a meal to other people by now. But instead, um, they are still like spiritual babies and need someone uh, to... Um, to feed them milk and not solid food. And one of the key reasons we're back at this verse yet again is verse number 13. It says, For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. And the key word there is, uh, root word, if you will, is skilled or unskilled. He didn't say they weren't knowledgeable. He, he didn't say that they didn't know a thing or two about the Bible. Um, knowing a thing or two about the Bible is one thing. Developing skill where God's Word is concerned in our lives, being able to rightly divide it and skillfully apply it is another thing altogether. And so the difference is in the doing. The difference is in the doing. The spiritual growth that we talked about last week where we outgrow some of these childish things that are trying to cling to us, where we develop and mature beyond those things. Amen. This is, this is real growth. This is real change. This is... Uh, this is uh, more than just getting excited about something for a few minutes or a few weeks or whatever, you know, and then reverting back to the way things were before. Uh, when we start to grow and develop, this is one of the key ways that, that Father God transforms our lives after uh, we're born again and our spirits are made new. And, and so I'm, I'm really excited about showing you some practical things uh, concerning uh, skillfulness and being skilled um, in uh, the Word of God. Now, Let's look at a few things as well related to this. James chapter 1 and verse number 22, it says, But be doers of the word and not hearers only, 
deceiving yourselves. So doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So there's three kinds of deception. It's when somebody else deceives you. Uh, that would be number one. Number two, when the devil uh, deceives you. And obviously, if a human being is deceiving you, more than likely, <laughs> just about guarantee you the devil's involved in that. Okay. Um, and then the third one, though, and I, th I think in a lot of ways it's the worst kind. It's when we deceive ourselves. It's, it's self-deception. And here is uh, one of the key ways that we participate in deceiving ourselves. It's when we hear the word. Uh, but never actually follow through and do anything with what we're, we're instructed, what, with what we're told, okay? And one of the ways that that it can be very deceiving is when we hear the Word of God, it, it has power in it, right? The Word of God is living and powerful. And we can hear the Word of God and hear and receive answers and get excited about those answers. We can hear and receive the Word of God and, and, and joy and, and peace comes from that experience, um, I mean, let's just be honest about it. We, we can come to a church service and hear the Word of God and leave feeling better about ourselves because we actually didn't hit the snooze alarm 14 times and sleep through church, but we got up and we went, and, and now we're leaving, and, and bless God, look at us, we're churchgoers. Hallelujah. You know? and, we, and we feel better about ourselves. And I'm not saying that's bad or wrong, okay? But feeling better about yourself is not the same thing as, as putting the Word of God into action, into practice in your life. And so where it becomes self-deceiving is we go, we hear the Word of God, we get answers, it gives us some hope, it, it makes us feel better, it, it gives us uh, you know, some kind of uh, direction and, and uh, focus uh, you know, on something else and something you know, other than the same old drudgery that we've been dealing with in life and around other people that, that are positive and that sort of thing. Uh, but, you know, what's the old saying? If nothing changes, nothing changes. And so it's deceiving because it, it, it can make us feel better about our situation. But feeling better about your situation is not the same as changing your situation. <laughs> feeling better about, you know, having hope that, okay, it, it can be different. It can uh, be more than what I've had. Uh, is good. It's a good first step, but it, it's not the same as actually following through. And so, again, the difference, I'm going to say that a couple more times probably, but the difference is in the doing. So we can't just hear the Word. What you're looking for tonight from the Holy Spirit are marching orders where the Word of God that you hear is concerned. In other words, anytime we come before the Word of God and, and allow the Holy Spirit to, to take the Word of God and, and impart it into us, we should have this mindset, we should have this lens, so to speak, where we're looking for something we can do with the Word of God, from the Word of God, to actually put it into action, put it into practice um, in our lives. Amen? Now, I, I, don't want, I could spend a lot of time here because this is a really important subject, but um, so much of what people in the body of Christ today know from the Word of God, they know in theory only. Okay? They know in theory only. In John the 6th chapter, when, when Jesus asks His disciples uh, about feeding the multitudes, the Bible says that He did this, one translation says He did this to test them. Okay, And don't go crazy like a lot of religious people do with that, see God will test you. No, it's like pop quiz time, right? Jesus is trying to see if these guys have been listening to what He's not only been saying, but what He's been doing. And so when it says testing, the, the, the root of that of that word is interesting. It's, it's the Greek word piradzo, and we get our English word imperial uh, from that. And the idea behind something that's imperial is something that has been proven by experience. 
okay? So when, when Jesus was testing them, what that literally means is He had taught them things that they had learned in theory, but now it was time to put it into practice. Now it was time to do it, right? Because the difference is in the doing, and when you actually do something and experience the results of doing it a certain way, this solidifies it in you, amen? In other words, it, now we can say that it has become proven to you, when the Bible says that we may prove the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God, it's not talking about proving it to God. God knows His ways are, are, are right. He's talking about it being proven to you, where it goes from something you heard in a class or something that made you feel better about your situation to, that's again, that's theor theoretically, right? You, are you following what I'm saying? So th there's a difference then between knowing something in theory and knowing it and it being proven to you and it becoming a bedrock of your life experience. And, and the only way to get from theory to, uh, you know, proven is doing, amen, where it's, where it's proven to you. And I've said this more than once throughout our time together. This is where the devil fights us sometimes tooth and toenail because the, the last thing in the world he wants is for you to do it God's way consistently enough to experience God's results in your life. Because if, if, if you ever get to that point, amen, the, the devil, you, you just became a lot more difficult for the devil to deal with, right? Because now it's not just something that you heard or something that your mama did, right? But now it's been proven to you. Let's go to Matthew 7 for another passage that is related to this and connected with this. Um, and so Matthew chapter 7, and we'll begin at verse 24. Jesus says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. And so that's the key thing. Um, he's going to basically say the same thing in, in verse 26, but the difference is going to be hears these sayings of mine and does not do them. So he says, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, and the wind blew uh, and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. It was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, he will be like uh, a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Now, if these two men built these houses and you just were, you know, passing through the neighborhood and had never seen these houses and they're sitting there almost looking, you know, nice, new, beautiful homes right there on the water. It's like, wow, man, these, these folks have, have got it going on down here in this part of the world, you know. Um, and from the outside looking in, you know, everything looks great, okay. It's because the, the foundation is not visible. Uh, but then all of a sudden life happens. Then all of a sudden, you know, Satan makes another run at you. And, and next thing you know, everything starts to, to collapse and, 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 and to fold. Jesus said uh, in uh, John 16, 16.33, anyway, I don't have my notes, but he basically said this. He said, in this world, you will have tribulation. In this world, you're going you're gonna to face some flipsis is the, is the Greek word there, which means pressure from the outside bearing down upon you, okay? Uh, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. I've overcome the world. So we're going to deal with some things uh, on this side of heaven, here on this earth. Amen. But what's the difference? What, what, what enables us to, to still be standing um, after the winds blow, the rains fall, and then the rains don't stop falling, right? Uh, what We even have a saying for that. When it rains, it pours. 
You know, sometimes we go through those, those experiences in life when it seems like when it rains, it pours. And that, again, that's the enemy just trying to pile on, pile on, pile on, because he's trying to collapse your house, your life. He's trying to, he's trying to you know, cause it to cave in. Amen. But notice now, again, the differences in the doing. The, the, the fundamental difference between these two individuals is one heard the sayings and did them. Notice number two, uh, the, the second person that he talks about here in... Um, in verse 26, pay close attention, who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them. So it's not, you know, the guy's house that collapsed, it's not that he never heard the sayings of Jesus. He heard them, but he didn't do them, okay? So do you see why I keep saying it over and over again? The difference is in the doing. The difference is in the doing. Because what I know from experience, and you probably know also from experience, is that when the, the pressure is on, when, when, when th things are, let's just say it this way, when you're being squeezed, whatever's inside of you is, is going to come out. Okay? You squeeze a ketchup bottle, ketchup's coming out of it. Okay? And so this is why Matthew 12 and 34, um, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You know, what's, what's in us. And how many times, I mean, I, listen, I'm not proud of this, but there have been times in my life where in the heat of the moment I said, well, you know, I know I should probably do this, okay, uh, but I'm, I'm going to do this now, and then when the pressure's off, I'm going to go back to this. You see, you, you, in other words, that's how the enemy tries to manipulate us. And so when the pressure's on, you're going to go to what you are most familiar with. Amen. God brings Egypt, I mean, God brings Israel out of Egyptian slavery. They're on the way to the promised land. And when the pressure is applied to them, what do they want to do? They want to run back to what, they're, what they know. They want to run back to what they're familiar with. Um, because, again, that, that provided them false comfort and false security, but comfort and security, at least in their minds, uh, nonetheless. They knew how to survive in slavery in Egypt. They weren't really sure how to survive in the wilderness with no water, no food, and all these other things. And, you know, some dude named Moses that's up on a mountain with God and the, and the mountain's melting and he's probably dead, you know. And so the, the pressure's on, they're confused, and notice what they do. They want to go back to what they know. So this is why <laughs> the Word of God has got to be what we know, amen, not theory, but it's proven to us. Let me say it another way. You're going to, you, you will go back to what has been proven to you. Amen. And listen, I, for, you know, that can be a lot of things for a lot of people, uh, but especially when it comes to folks, when I say especially, everybody deals with this, all right? We all have our coping uh, mechanisms, right? Amen. And so what Satan has tried is he's tried to install within us uh, a wrong way of coping with things so that when things uh, you know start putting pressure on us our way of coping with it dealing with it right uh, leads us into even greater measures of negative emotions and consequences amen or oh me you picking up what i'm putting down okay all right so again hearing the word of god and doing it now when we talk about being skillful with the word of god i want to show you some practical things about the word of god that will hopefully make more sense to you when it comes to developing skill where the Word of God is, um, is concerned. And so the first one that I want to talk to you about is the Word of God is seed. The Word of God is seed. When I first started this, I don't know, this part came maybe 15, 18 years into these classes. 
early on. It's been a part of these classes for a long time. But I originally wrote that the Word of God is like seed. And the Holy Spirit corrected me. He said, it's not like seed, it is seed. There's a difference between something being like something else and it being that very thing. And the Word of God is seed, okay? The Word of God is seed. 1 Peter 1.23, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. And then Mark 4 and 14, the sower sows the Word. And that sowing there is, if you notice, S-O-W, not S-E-W. He's not talking about a tailor or a seamstress. He's talking about a farmer. And a farmer plants the Word. A farmer sows the Word. The sower sows the Word. Okay? Now, as we work through this list, I want you to keep something in the forefront of your mind as you're hearing these different uh, understandings and points from the, the, the Word of God concerning the Word of God, okay? If God's words are seed, it's not a trick question, okay, but just think about it. If God's words are seed, how would you and I go about planting them? Sharing it, okay, all right, that's a, that's a good answer. Uh, that's even, that's one level into a simple answer that I was looking for, okay, because you can't share it without what? Speaking it, speaking it. So we, we plant the seed that is the Word of God by, seeking, by speaking it, okay? Now, at, we're going to work through some of these, we're going to come back to that one, the idea, the concept of speaking it, because speaking it is the uh, consistent... Uh, method that applies to all of these, that applies to, 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 to every bit of this, okay? So if the Word of God is seed, and it is, then how do we plant it, okay? Now, think about this, the power of a seed, and, and we actually have a whole section in these classes that we'll get to in the days ahead that call the power of seed, okay? But when you think about the power of, of a seed, you know, what is... You know, an 80-foot tall oak tree, if it's not an acorn that held its ground. I mean, it, in other words, if we didn't know that those big trees came out of those little nuts, you, we wouldn't believe anybody tried to tell us, that, that big old tree out there came out of this little thing right here. You're going, no way. But yes way, right? So there's potential in seed, right? So when he says, you, you know, the sower sows the word, if the Word of God is seed and it is, and we plant it by speaking, why, why, are we, why are we planting it? Why are we speaking it? Because that's how we release the potential that is in it to produce the results that God sent forth that Word in the first place to produce in our lives and in the lives of other people. Amen. Now see, this, this may sound a little foreign to some people, but, but we have something to say about everything. I mean, think about it, right? That's our first response. Remember, every strategy that Satan uses against you is designed to manipulate your response. What is temptation other than Satan trying to manipulate your choice, your action to sin? Or just everything the devil uses against us is his effort to manipulate our response. Okay, And, and so, like Paul said it this way, what shall we say to these things? And what he's, what he's doing there in Romans 8 chapter is he's given us a list of very important responses because 99 times out of 100, our first response, not our only, but our first response is something that we say about it, right? 
And, and so if the devil can control what you say, you see, uh, first of all, there's whatever you plant, you know, <laughs> you're going to reap. And so if you speak death and negative things, you're going to reap death and negative things. If you speak life, you're going to reap life and positive things, right? Death and life in the power of your tongue, the Bible says. We'll get a whole section on that in the days ahead as well, okay? So... What shall we say to these things? How are we going to respond? And notice now, the Bible says the words that we speak chart the course that we follow. And so if, if we say the wrong thing, right, if we say the wrong thing, then the chances just increase dramatically of us doing the wrong thing. All right? So I'm fixing to give her a piece of my mind, right? Next thing you know, here you go, right? Da, 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 da. Next thing you know, you're cussing somebody. Next thing you know, you, you're getting violent with them. You're you throwing hands, right? See, again, it's, but it all started with, right, what we say, how we, say what, how we respond, okay? So when we talk about, like, speaking blessing over things, see, you try to tell somebody to say good things. Oh, this may sound odd to you, okay? Like, like your automobile. Somebody said, I ain't got an automobile. There you go, responding wrong, right? Okay, Amen. Come on now. Father gives us all things that pertain to life and godliness. In the 21st century world, is an automobile an, import, an important tool that we need in our lives to, to do what God's put us on this earth to do? Well, that was weak. Y'all must all have a fleet of cars that I don't know about, okay? <laughs> Amen. All right. But no, it, it is. Absolutely it is, right? Okay. So, so are y'all okay? All right. So we talk about speaking good things over our car, blessing our car. And we that's the most crazy thing I've ever heard, Pastor Mark, but the same person that says that's the most crazy thing I've ever heard, let them go out one morning in that car not crank and watch them speak to that car. Right. <laughs> am, I, am I right about it, right? We'll call that, thing, that car everything but a child of God. Sorry, no good for nothing. I can't believe I ever bought you this piece of junk. <laughs> See, we'll curse it without thinking. And somebody says, well, you know, why don't you bless it instead of curse it? Bless a car? Have you lost your mind? Why do we bless a car? That don't make no sense to me. But again, I'm just trying to show you. So the Word of God is seed. What are you planting? What are you planting when, when, when you speak, right? Okay, now, let's keep going here. The Word of God is light. That, that's another one. The Word of God is light. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And then later on in that uh, same psalm, Psalm 119, 130, the entrance of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Okay? So again, if the Word of God is light, how do we, how do we in, insert, how do we uh, interject light into a situation that is confusing, that would perhaps, when we say, I, I like to simplify things. I'm not trying to oversimplify it, but sometimes we overcomplicate things or we go to the most complicated understanding first and get frustrated and give up, okay? So how about if we simplify it to this point? Light is the ability to see things as they truly are. Light is the ability to see things as they truly are. Darkness, darkness is the inability to see things as they truly are. See, if you understand light and darkness from that simple perspective, then you'll understand what Jesus said when he said it this way. If the light that's in you be darkness, how great is the darkness? In other words, if your ability to see things is not as they truly are, then everything you look at is going to be skewed in some way. 
But now, what would bring light into a situation? How would we take the light that is the Word of God, because the Word of God is light, how would we bring light into a situation by speaking the Word of God? What does the Word say? Remember, that's the, that's the question that we need to ask first and foremost about anything, everything that has anything to do with you, is what does the Word say? What does the Word say? Satan will try, listen to me very carefully now, Satan will try to drive you crazy with questions you don't have answers for. Okay? See things in your life that happen that you don't understand, difficult things, maybe even tragic things, okay? And, and Satan will, you know, why did this happen? What, what about this? Why, why did it turn out this way? You, you prayed and it this and that. And, and all these things that we don't have an answer for, at least don't think we have an answer for, um, that's what Satan wants you to think about and dwell upon and, and speak and respond to, right? So what do we do in those situations? We get a hold of what we do know. Amen? We get a hold of the light that we do have. Praise God. And, and we focus on that because uh, in His light, we see more light. Amen? In other words, if you'll get a hold of something you do know that is light and start saying that, then the light from that word will give you more light to see even more things. Now, again, this is something like, oh, it don't make sense to me. Well, we all know what it is for one thing to lead to another, to another, to another, to another, to another, and this downward spiral of, of anguish and frustration and, and dominant negative emotions and, and how we respond in a negative way or a wrong way toward a situation, and it just one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. Next thing you know, we're holed up in a room with the lights out. You know, don't even want to face anybody or any, anything, okay? So if we can understand these things from a negative perspective, then the same thing can happen, right? Instead of it spiraling downward, it can spiral upward, amen? Where all of a sudden, okay, you know what? I, I, there's some things here I'm, I'm going to trust you. Uh, I know that you're a good God. Uh, I, I know that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I know that Jesus came to give us life. I know that we live in a world that's controlled by the enemy. I know that you, there, was, there are things that you have to get, like in the, there is something, I usually almost go through this every funeral that I have the opportunity to, to speak at, you know, at least the funeral of a believer, is to, to comfort, the Bible says you comfort one another with these words, and the Bible has answers. The Bible says we grieve, but we don't grieve as those who have no hope. It's one thing to grieve without hope. It's another thing to grieve with hope. Amen. And let me just tell you right now, grieving with hope is better than grieving without hope. And so the Bible says comfort one another with these words. And so if, if you have a, a loved one that, that passed from this life, that, that was born again, then think about what we do. You say, well, it was, they were too young, Pastor Mark. They should have lived longer. Okay. So again, we don't have those answers right now, but let me tell you the answers we do have. We know where that person is. We know who they're with. We know how they're doing. We know that we'll see them again. See, now notice what we're doing. We're, and we're speaking this, right? We're saying these things. We're, he didn't say comfort one another with these thoughts. See, so many times we like to tell somebody who's going through something, I'm thinking about you. Well, I, listen, maybe they're not ready for, you know, but how about send them a card with some of these thoughts on it, right? Words that would bring some light into their situation. Amen. Amen. So the Word of God is light. How do we shine it? How do we... How do we uh, get it out from under the, the, the bushel and, and let it illuminate those in the room and those around us and, and, you know, put some light on that, you know. I'll be working on something. It's like, hey, baby, will you hold that flashlight for me, right? Because if we have light, then we have the ability to function where without the light, we're, we're just feeling around and, and trying to make it up as we go along. The, the Bible talks about uh, folks who are in darkness 
who are in darkness in Psalm 82, uh, but they just continue on. Uh, even though they can't see, it doesn't mean they stop. You know, if you're walking across uh, a room with no windows at night and, and, the, and the light goes out, your first instinct is to stop, right? And then start kind of easing your way, feeling, oh, but see, with the world, the world's in darkness, but they're full steam ahead, man, right? Because the light that's in them is darkness. They think what they're seeing is the way things truly are, but it's not, but it's not. And so they continue on, the Bible says, in darkness, well, how do we get some light? How do we, how do we get some light? God's Word contains God's truth, and God's truth is what, it's, it's the highest form of reality. Remember, we talked about this, Dr. Bill Winston. And so when we bring light into a situation now, and it, listen, people sometimes, the Bible, Jesus talked about this in John 3, right? People run from the light because you know, it exposes them. But man, aren't you thankful for the light? Aren't you thankful that you're seeing things as they truly are? Some of you, for the first time in a long time, for some of you, first time ever. And it's a good thing. It's a, it, I'm happy to be in the light. Amen. <laughs> Amen. All right, let's keep going here. So light's the ability to see things as they truly are. God's Word is light. We shine that light again by speaking it, the, the potential that's in it to eliminate a situation. Here's one, and maybe this one is the one people are most familiar with. The Word of God is a sword. The Word of God is a sword. So Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17 says, Take and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So I know I keep saying this over and over again, but I want this to really stick with you, okay? Don't let the enemy steal this word from you. If the Word of God is a sword, and it is, then how do we swing it? In other words, we're talking about an offensive weapon here. We're talking about warfare, and in this case, we're talking about spiritual warfare. Amen. And so the, the weapon that we have, and, and by the way, if you're familiar with this passage, it's giving us all the different uh, armor of God, the helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, uh, shoes of peace, belt of truth, okay? But all, all of those uh, implements are defensive in nature. They're to protect us uh, from the fiery darts of the enemy. But we have one offensive weapon. Some people stretch to fit and I, I, I believe that it's I believe it personally but I don't teach it you know just this is the way it is and you know believe it but that the, that there's the the dagger that every uh, Roman soldier carried they carried a sword and a dagger that the dagger would be prayer and the context of this armor is when we pray so um, but as it is face value the only offensive weapon that is spoken of here is the, is the Word of God, which is the sword of the Spirit. And I like to say it this way. Um, it's the only offensive weapon we have because it's the only one we need. It's the only one. We're not ill-equipped. Are you hearing me? To only, you know, only got the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Are you kidding me? Amen. It's the only offensive weapon we've been given because it's the only one that we need. But notice even if you, if you think about prayer... Uh, you know, integrated in, into that um, uh, teaching, uh, what is prayer? It's, it's speaking the Word. It's, it's speaking to God. And one of the most effective ways that you and I can pray is to pray the Word of God, to say what God said uh, about our situations and, and coming into agreement uh, with Him. Unfortunately, when a lot of people pray, uh, they just repeat to God the same questions their problems are asking them. Have you ever thought about that? You got a bill over there on the counter that's uh, more, more 
bill than you got bank, amen? And that bill's just talking to you, right? How are you going to pay me? How are you going to pay me? What are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about this? And so then we go to pray about it and we go, God, how am I going to pay this bill? What am I going to do? I see, we, we just repeat to God the same questions that our problems ask us. Jesus, listen to me now, Jesus taught us to speak the word of God directly to the problem. And we'll, we'll get to that whole aspect of, of, of this. Speak the word of God to the problem. If you say to this mountain, be thou removed, Right? So, again, speaking the Word of God, using the Word of God as an offensive weapon. When Satan attacked Jesus, how did Jesus counterattack with the Word of God? Satan, it is written, it is written, it is written. He didn't sit there and try to do the battle in his head and, I'm not going to give in to this, I'm just going to focus on God, I'm focusing on the Word. No, he spoke it out of his mouth. And that's one of the key uh, areas that you need to understand. The Bible says, take no thought by saying Take no thought by saying, amen. So one of the key ways that we overcome errant thoughts, fiery darts from the enemy where he tries to you know, launch an arrow and in our minds, right, is we can't fight the devil thought for thought. When a negative thought comes, who are you, who are you kidding? Uh, you know, some, you know, who are you kidding up in there at church acting like you're some big Christian? You know, you, blah, blah, blah. So now, see, the devil would just want you to try to have this argument with him in your head, in your thoughts. Now, this is when you say, if any man's in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. You know, you see what I'm saying? You've got to, whatever the enemy's coming at you with, he's a, it's a lie, it's a deception, and you've got, you got to come right back at him, not in your mind. Speak it. You can't swing a word sword by thinking words. You swing it by speaking it, by saying it. And so this is why we got to know what to say. What does the word say? We're not just studying the Bible to feel better about ourselves. Amen. We're equipping ourselves. Remember, part of my job, part of my assignment, and then ultimately part of your assignment is, is to equip people. Amen. To, 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 we, man, our world today, don't get me started on this. We were talking about it some Sunday, but, you know, it's, it's this... It's this idea of, you know, come do it for me. Or it's this idea of self-help. Just tell me what I need to do, God, and then I won't mess with you anymore. And I'll go do it by myself. And again, somewhere in, in the middle of all that is, you know, equipping people to walk by faith in the Spirit and use what God has given them, enjoy what God has given them, and live the life that He created us to live. Amen? Amen. All right. So we got a couple more of these. Can you take a couple more before we move on to something else? So the next one is the Word of God is a fire. The Word of God is a fire. And we find this one in Jeremiah 23, 29. Is not my word like a fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? So obviously the fifth one is the Word of God is a hammer. We get it from the same passage. So I'm going to tell you the same thing that I've told you about the other ones. If the Word of God is a fire, how do, we, how do we ignite things? Again, by speaking. We set things on fire by speaking. So there's different ways to understand or comprehend what he, what he would mean here by fire. But, you know, I sometimes think of fire in, in terms of motivation. You know, somebody needs a lot of fire under him, right? Well, what, is, what does that mean to, to, to get that sense of, of 
of urgency is a great word, uh, that, that sense of immediacy, that sense of, hey, you know, um, we've drug our feet about this long enough. We, we need to do something about this. Nothing goes away till it's resolved. It's time to roll up our sleeves and, 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 and get busy. God's trying to take me somewhere I can't get to by myself, and, and, um, and I, I'm going to listen to him and cooperate him. And it's, it's time to saddle up the horses and, and, and put on the yoke, and let's, let's be about this, right? And so the Word of God, you know, can light that fire under us. It can... It can um, you ever heard the expression, man, that brother's on fire for God. That sister, she's on fire for God. Again, we don't get on fire for God uh, apart from the Word of God that ignites that fire in us. And, and I like to think that's one of the reasons you continue to come back to these classes, right? Is because the Word of God is inspiring you. It's, it's igniting something in you. It's, it's, it's fueling, a, you know, a passion in you for the things of God and for the ways of God and for the, for the life that God created you to live. And sometimes we take it for granted that somehow that just magically happens. But no, it's the Word of God that's, that's, uh, that's doing that in us. And then, of course, this fifth one, it, it might be, I know the Word of Sword of the Spirit is such a powerful one, but maybe it's the, the, the carpenter in me. But the Word of God is a hammer, and it breaks the rock in pieces. Man, that just fires me up right there. And, and listen, I'm not trying to minimize it. it it's, it's, a, it's a big hammer. It's a little hammer. It's a jackhammer. It's a, amen. But one of the things that I picture here is, um, you know, we keep speaking to that mountain and we keep chipping away at it, right? Uh, consistent, diligent, um, not growing weary and well-doing, continuing to speak the word, continuing to believe the word. Continuing to, you know, when it doesn't look like it's changing, we just keep speaking the word. When it doesn't look like the mountain's moving, we just keep speaking the word. Because what, what we're doing in those cases is we're chipping away at things, right? And if you've noticed in, in your life, um, there, there are times where we uh, chip away, chip away, and doesn't really feel like we're making a lot of progress, and then comes a major breakthrough, right? Then comes uh, what I call and what the Lord's had us on uh, here at Heritage, pretty much this whole year it, on Sundays is this significant shift. Amen. A significant shift where, where it seems like, you know, uh, we make uh, five years worth of progress in, in, in just a few days. Praise God. We're, and it's biblical. The Bible talks about God propelling us forward, launching us forward. Okay. And, and while, you know, in some times is it's the works of God and it's, it's, it's his timing and his plans and purposes and our submitting ourselves to it and surrendering ourselves to it. Um, but I'm just telling you from, you know, the privilege of having had a front row seat in, in the life transformation of a whole lot of people over a whole bunch of years, right? Um, sometimes when those uh, breakthroughs come, you know, folks who don't understand that person or don't understand what they've been doing and how they've been sowing and how they've been speaking and, and, and all this, they think, man, that's not fair, you know. Can't believe God did that for her and didn't do it for me. Well, amen, God wants to do it and has done it for everybody, but it's, it's that consistency in speaking the word, chipping away, not giving up, want, wanting to see uh, those breakthroughs. Amen. Uh, I know Sister is not here tonight, but she'll be watching this later. And, and Amy Isbell is one of the most uh, recent examples of, of that uh, for me personally. Um, and, and, and praise God. And it's, <laughs> it's been a whole bunch of breakthroughs, and it's, and it's been fast. Amen. Um, but again, 
because my wife and, and uh, Pam and Amy are, are so close, and Pam has been uh, a, a, like a mother to her and a mentor to her and a discipler to her, a disciple maker to her. Um, you know, I know things that our sister has done behind the scenes, in secret, right? Uh, and now God's rewarding her openly. And there are those like, man, you know, she's just lucky. She, you know, no, luck has nothing to do with it, right? It's, it's, the, it's, it's the hammer of the word that's uh, taking some impossible situations in her life and breaking them into pieces so that the obstacles are not obstacles anymore. Um, the mountains have become rubble, uh, and, and she's walking across on flat ground just like the walls of Jericho. And so God's no respecter persons. He did that for, for all of us uh, and has done it for all of us. But again, um, you, you only, I think if you can chip away at, at, um, <laughs> at a situation, you can also, by speaking the wrong words, you, you can fill it in. You can, you can pour concrete on it and make it bigger. That's what the devil's want us to do, right? Mountains out of molehills. He's want to take little things, and by the time we get through complaining about it and griping about it and, and speaking curses and negativity over it, that, that it just becomes this insurmountable situation in our lives. It becomes so big, right? So what you magnify. Oh, magnify the Lord. Oh, magnify the Lord. You can magnify the problem, or you can magnify your answer. You can magnify God. And whichever one you magnify is going to get bigger. Amen. So Jesus would take, like, the most severe situations, right? This little girl's dead. And Jesus, the devil could not make Jesus say that she was dead. What did he say? Ah, she's just asleep. We're fixing to wake her up, right? Which is harder, right? He asked this question. Cripple man right there in front of him, can't walk, on a bed, sick. I don't know what all was going on with him, right? Jesus said, which, which is harder or easier? He said, which is easier? To say your sins are forgiven or take up your bed and walk. Amen. So notice he, he did, oh man, what are we going to do? But this girl's dead. I thought she was just sick. You didn't tell me she was dead. I was coming to heal somebody who was sick. Now she's dead. Oh, what are we going to do here? No, see, none of that. He didn't say any of that. Now I'm not saying the devil didn't try to bombard his mind with those things. We clearly know in the Garden of Gethsemane that he did. And so if the devil tried to uh, steer Jesus off course, uh, when he was tempted in the wilderness and, and, and at the beginning of his earthly ministry and then at the end in the Garden of Gethsemane when everything about Jesus was screaming, don't do this, to the point his capillaries were rupturing in his sweat glands and he was sweating blood. You're talking about pressure, man, that he was under. Um, so we know that in all these other situations that, that Satan had to be trying to steer him off course and, and get him in the flesh and panic and, and worried and nervous. Again, always speaking the word, right? Speak the word, speak the word, speak the word. And even in that situation with, with Jairus and his daughter, remember he went, to find, he went and found Jesus because his daughter was very sick. And then the woman that had the issue of blood, she comes out and she's healed and it's an interruption and, and Jesus is talking to her. And, and so that window of, of healing his daughter before um, she died, had closed, and she'd actually passed. And when they came and told Jairus, don't trouble the master anymore, your daughter's dead, Jesus looked at him and said, only believe. Right? In other words, don't, don't, you said when you came and got me that if I would come to your house, your daughter would be okay. And I'm still going, and she's still going to be okay. Amen. But see, what, what, what did the devil want? The devil wanted Jairus to collapse. He wanted, oh, God, Jesus, this woman, you could have healed her any time. But no, no, no. See, none, none, none of that. None of that. Amen. I said none of that. Because we're not children. We're not babies. We don't act like babies. 
Amen. <laughs> Ooh, sweet Jesus. See, the devil don't like this. See, the devil don't like this. The devil don't, hey, devil don't, we're not babies. We're not babies. And if you come, if you come here for me to treat you like a baby, you come to the wrong place. Amen. Amen. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a huge, a huge breakthrough uh, in, in Amy's life. Somebody told her she needed to get in the floor and just throw a fit, kick and scream and cry and fit and get it out of her. And I looked at her and I said, don't you ever do that. You're not a child. Standing in the chapel, it offended her. I didn't know it offended her, but it offended her, right? But you got to thinking about, you know what? I'm not a child. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an adult. Amen. 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 All right, praise God. And we can do hard things. We can do all things, and hard ones and easy ones. Amen. As far as Jesus is concerned, it's all easy. But do you see what I'm talking about here? You look at some of these very, very serious situations. I mean, you got this man brings uh, his demon-possessed son to the disciples. Jesus is on the Mount of Transfiguration, and the disciples try to cast uh, the demon out of this little boy, and um, and it it didn't happen, so to speak, uh, because of their unbelief. Is what Jesus explained to them later. But Jesus comes back, and this little boy—I mean, the demon seizes this little boy, and he falls down, and all this stuff. And Jesus kind of looks at him and goes, "How, how long has he been doing this?" I mean, in words, it didn't panic Jesus. Jesus was like, "Ooh, y'all back up!" You know, no, none of that, right? He didn't get get all freaked out about that. He went, "How long has he been doing this?" You know, in other words, it, it, he's not. The devil tries to rattle us. He tries to 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 spook us, and and and, and Jesus was just spook proof, right? I mean, he. It, it didn't phase him, right? Didn't phase him, and because um, the word of God is again, it's a hammer, and so I don't know what what's in your life that you need to hammer. I mean, what needs a hammer? What needs to break? What what needs to be removed? What needs to get out of there, right? And if it's a hammer, how do you swing it? You swing it by speaking it. Praise the name of the living God. All right, go with me now to Hebrews chapter one. Hebrews chapter one and verse one. Praise God. We're going to talk about the word of His power. The word of his power. Praise God. Amen. All right, now look at me for a second. All those five things I just gave you, that's, that's some homework. Amen. Let's figure out how we can plant, how we can uh, sow, how we can swing, how we can ignite, how we can hammer. There's how we can use the word of God. Remember, they remained as spiritual babes not because of a lack of knowledge, but because of a lack of skill, a lack of skill. And so all of those different aspects of what the Word of God is and how it can be used, notice it requires skill to apply the Word of God. Amen. Um, my, uh, I call her my covenant daughter, um, my son's wife. She's a doctor of pharmacy. And... Man, it just amazes me, you know, all the different medications that she understands and, and how, they, uh, how they affect the human body and other medications that don't need to be combined with, you know, in other words, she's very skillful in that. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I stand in front of the cold medicine like... You know, what? You know, what's this like? You, you know what I'm saying? Am I the only one? It's like, well, you know, I do kind of have a scratchy throat, but my nose isn't running. So maybe I don't, you know, he's trying to figure all this out, right? So, but you say, what's the point? The, the, the point is she knows how to take all those medications 
and skillfully apply them. Um, she did her residency at the VA in Nashville in ambulatory pharmacy. And, and what that means is she works individually with patients um, to get their medications uh, straightened out. Uh, I'm sure there's all kinds of stories of people in this room where you had an aunt or a grandmother that had multiple different prescriptions that were interacting in negative ways with one another. And, and um, I've even known people that they thought were like in a vegetative state and it was just wrong medicines. You know, one friend, uh, he was like, literally, you know, you thought this man's lost his mind. But it, all it was was just they had, he had too many different medications uh, that were interacting with one another. Uh, but again, the, the point, and maybe this is a bad example, but I'm just trying to show you, you know, think of the Word of God as medicine. Amen. He sent His Word and healed them. Okay. Um, and, and so now how do we take some specific verse there's power in every word God ever said. There's power in the, in the, in the commas and the, in the periods and the question marks, okay? Um, but how do we take something that, that, that God has said and apply it, skillfully apply it to some situation that we have um, in, in our lives? And, and this is, you're going to be amazed when you really start looking at this because I believe, I believe, and I've yet to find any situation that there's not at least two or three verses in the Word of God that speak to um, something that somebody may be going through. Like blood infections. The Bible has verses about people being polluted in their blood and, and, and them being healed. Um, one of my favorites that I speak over my children and my grandchildren is that all of my children are taught of the Lord and great is the peace of my children. So just again, um, this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. I, I, I just I could go on and on and on with this. So that's where we get, when I say skillfully apply, you know, ask the Lord, ask people that you know and trust that, that may know verses that you don't know, but areas in your life where Satan is using situations and circumstances, uh, issues, what have you, what does the Word say about those circumstances and situations, uh, mental uh, health issues, emotional health issues, um, uh, physical uh, things. First Peter two twenty four. By his stripes you were healed. Right. So we could just again on and on and on. But we have this vast toolbox that is the Word of God that we can use and God intends for us to use that has His power already. Remember that whole God breathed? And, and remember when God took Adam under the chin and breathed into his, his nostrils a breath of life? God can't speak without breathing. And every time he, every word He's spoken has been saturated by His power. Amen. Amen. So we, we've got, I'm, I'm challenging you. I'm encouraging you. Um, please start, start using this. Um, amen. Okay, all right, let's go to Hebrew, and I'll help you. If, if you need some help with that, praise God. I know a lot of you have a notebook and paper in here. If you need some verses on a certain subject, tear off a piece and, and write it down, and if you don't know them, I'll be, I'll be more than happy. To, uh, my wife is ex very, very skilled um, at, at doing that as well, and we'll, we'll be more than happy to help you. Amen. All right, let's go to Hebrews chapter 1. You're already there. I'm not. Hebrews chapter 1, 
in verse number one. Some of the most beautiful and poetic uh, and life-giving verses in all the Word of God. It says, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the worlds, who being the brightness of His glory, Jesus being the brightness of God's glory, and the express image of His person, the express image of the person of God, God's person. Think personality, think nature, think character, His person. And upholding all things, upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself, Jesus Himself, purged our sins. That word purge there means to cleanse away and the riddance of guilt, to remove the guilt. We'll give you that in an amplified version here in just a moment. Has had... He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Now, there's a lot here. Praise God. And it's already 11 minutes after. So we, <laughs> am I the only one that this class has gone by faster than any other ones yet? Praise God. Amen. All right. So, uh, but think about what we've covered a lot of ground though. Amen. We've, we've covered a lot of things, important stuff. Okay. So let's kind of start unraveling uh, some of this. Amen. He says that in these last days, God is um, speaking, Father God is speaking to us in the person of His Son. This is very important because He begins by saying at various times and in various ways in the past, He's spoken to the fathers. The fathers meaning like forefathers. He spoke to them by the prophets. Elijah, Elisha, Jeremiah, Isaiah, not to try to in any way minimize the importance of, of those men and women, female prophets. Yes. Almost said something cute there. Put that in your religious pipe and smoke it, right? Amen. There are a few things that irritate me more than the trivialization of women in the body of Christ. This is, this is sad to me. This is sad to me. I'm doing some writing lately when um, Hilkiah sent, I'm sorry, Josiah sent Shaphan to Hilkiah to make some payments on the reparations of the temple. And they had found, tucked away somewhere, uh, something very important that had been lost, the Word of God. How sad is that, right? Don't get me started on that. I'll talk two hours about it because I've been really on it here lately. But when they carried the book back and read it to Josiah, before he did anything, he consulted with the prophetess. See, again, Hulda was her name. Amen. And uh, <laughs> she's a sister on fire, I'm telling you right now. And um, it's, it's all right there, I think, was it? I get my first and second, chapter 22, either 1 Kings or 2 Kings. Amen. And buddy, she gives the word of God. Notice now, you got a king, you got a priest, you got scribes, you got all these high-ranking officials who are clueless, but they got, there's, a, there's a chick, no offense, Holder, right? There's a woman that they all go to because we don't know what to do now. But bless God, there's a prophetess. Amen. In the house of God. Amen. And so... So, amen. 
Can I get an amen from the sisters? Amen. All right. Can I get an amen from the brothers? Amen. All right. Amen. Making sure we're on the same page there. Where would we be without godly women, guys? Oh, Lord Jesus, help us. Man. <laughs> Shout out to the ladies in the room. Amen. Praise the name of the living God. So in the past, before Jesus, God's means of speaking to his people was through the voice, if you will, of the prophets. But now, in these last days, He has spoken to us in the person of His Son. Now, let's look at John chapter 1 and verse 18. I can put it up on the screen. Just stay right there. If you don't mind, just stay there in Hebrews because we're far from through finished Hebrews. Um, John chapter 1 and verse 18. It says, No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, and by the way, He's not the only begotten now. He's firstborn among many. But when Jesus was here on the earth, the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father... The heart of the Father, the lap of the Father. And there was, they, they are, they are, we use the expression bosom buddies. It's talking about this closeness, this fellowship, this oneness that Jesus had with his Father. Um, he has, key word right there, declared him. He has declared him. All right? So, one more time. The context is. No one has seen God at any time. Now, think about this for a minute now. Moses saw him in part. Abraham, you know, had these encounters with God. Uh, you know, Abraham wanted to see him face to face. And God says, you can't do that and live right now, buddy. But I'll tell you what, I'll hide you in the cleft of the rock and I'll let you see my backside. God's got a sense of humor. Don't tell me he doesn't, right? <laughs> you, 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 can see, you can see my buttocks. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And, uh, and even then, even then. Um, from that experience, the glory of God so absorbed into um, Moses' body that he glowed. I mean, this is, whew, man, we, don't, we, we have no idea what heaven's going to be like one day. All right? I mean, this is just glorious stuff, right? So what, what he's saying here when he says no one has seen God at any time, he's saying no one has seen God fully for who and what he really is. Okay. Now, let me remind you of something that we talked about, I think it was last week, I believe, yes, last week, that God revealing Himself to us is progressive as the Bible unfolds. The further we progress through the Word of God, from Genesis working our way towards Revelation, the book of Revelation, is that we are finding out more and more and more about God. And one of the primary ways that we learn about His nature, personality, character, all these other things, is by what? His names and there was about 950 names that we find God revealing Himself. He's all that and more. He's all that and more. But again, He wants, he wants His people to, to know Him. And, and, and He knows us. Praise God. And so when He says no one has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son who's in the bosom of the Father, He, he has declared Him. He has declared Him. Okay. Now, this word in the, in the original language 
Again, very important. I'll put it on the screen. Declare means to make known completely, thoroughly, particularly. So when we, when we say particularly, we could also put there specifically. Have you ever heard the, the expression in particular? So think the opposite of generalization. Think, in the, think of the opposite of, of generally but in, instead think specifically or particularly. Declare means to make known. Jesus has made God known. God the Father. He has made God known, has declared Him, has made God known completely. Okay? Thoroughly, particularly, and finally. Alright? Now, if, if He's made God known completely and thoroughly... This is why I told you a few weeks back that if you can't find it in the earthly life and ministry and teachings of Jesus, then it's not God. That's why my favorite quote from Bill Johnson is Jesus is perfect theology. Y'all remember that one? Matter of fact, I put it in here again. Jesus is perfect theology. Theology being the study of God. Theo being God. Ology being the study of. So the study of God Right? You, can go to, you can go to school and get a degree in theology, study of God. Amen. And I'm not here to comment on that one way or the other. But the, the point being, Jesus is perfect, absolute, complete theology. In other words, if you want to know who God is, if you want to know what God is like, if you want to know His personality, His nature, His character, study the life of Jesus. Because one of the many assignments Jesus had on this earth as a human being, as God uh, with us, Emmanuel, uh, God becoming a man and living and breathing among us, was for us to have and hear God speaking to us, not through the mouthpiece of a prophet, but speaking to us through and in the person of His Son. Now, this means when it comes to Jesus, we learn from him about God by both the things he said and the things he did. When it says he spoke to us in the person of his son and that he is, let me go back to it. Um, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Um, when it says in verse three, the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person the brightness of His glory, and the express image of His person. The, the concept here of express image. Now, it's, it's interesting how things have changed over the last 20 years. Some of these, like reconciling a bank statement, you know, people do so many things online now, and, and digital has, has, has changed the world in so many ways. But are you at least familiar with the concept of a manual typewriter? You know what I'm talking about there? I'm not talking about a word processor. I'm talking about one of those old machines that if you, if you wanted to type, uh, you know, the letter A, uh, you pushed uh, the, the button that had the A on it, and it uh, caused an arm to swing up from, you know, the typewriter and slap the page, and, and it, it had a ribbon that it, it not only hit the, the, the ribbon and the page, but it imprinted. I mean, it, it literally, you know, if you had heavy fingers on a typewriter, then, you know, 
you could turn that thing over and you could see the, you know, the imprint of the letters you just typed on, on the, okay. So this is the terminology of Jesus being the express image, okay? So again, I mean no disrespect, but if you could take Jesus and slam him really hard against a piece of paper, the, the image that would be left on that paper would be God. He's the express image. The brightness of His glory and the express image of His person. Now, we see this, and I thought I had this verse in here somewhere, praise God. Uh, I apologize, but I, d I don't, and I'm not sure how it... No, there it is. Thank you, Jesus. John chapter 14 and verse number 9. Um, Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you've not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? So let me, let me give you some context. Jesus is trying to prepare uh, His inner circle of believers for His uh, death, burial, um, arrest, torture, death on the cross, burial, resurrection, ascension back to the Father. He is trying to explain to them that He's going away, but He's going to send the Holy Spirit. And, and so He's having these conversations uh, with them. And... Philip says something to this effect. I'll paraphrase. Look, Jesus, we, we know you, you're the man. We, you, you, you're the Messiah. We're convinced of that. But one, one thing that would really help us, I, I'm not, well, let me speak for all you guys, okay? But one thing that would really help us, okay, is if you just show us the Father. And if you, if you just show us the Father, just, just for, you know, 30 seconds, it don't have to be long, but if you just show us the Father, then we would know. I mean, there would be no doubt. We, you know, we would, all doubts would be erased. We'd be ready to take this ball and run from it if you just show us the Father. I, I can't prove this by Scripture, but these, this is one of those passages that I've meditated and meditated and meditated. And I almost believe Jesus had a, almost like a hurt expression on His face. Almost like, you know, because when He, when he says... Have I been with you so long and you still don't know? How is it that I've been with you this long, Philip, and you still don't get it, right? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, I think it's important because it would be equally true if Jesus had only said, if you've heard me, you've heard the Father. That's true because Jesus said, I don't say anything unless my Father tells me to say it, and I don't do anything unless my Father shows me to do it. Okay. And Jesus could have said, and it would have been accurate, if you've heard me, you've heard the Father. But that's not what He said. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, I want you to compare that. And we talked, remember, about the, the fading of one system and the, and the, and the rising of another. Uh, one system decreasing, John the Baptist representing that system. And Jesus, you know, John the Baptist fading one direction and Jesus coming to the, to the forefront. Okay? And that was what was happening in John's lifetime. And the kingdom is being preached, right? And people are trying to get into it, but you can't get in until uh, Jesus dies on the cross because the only way in is through the new birth. Okay, we talked about that last week, remember? Okay, yes? Some of you look at me like, okay. And I, I kind of went into auctioneer mode with you there. For, so let me back up here for just a moment. All right. So <clears throat> you could not say this about the prophets. You could not say this about that old system. In other words, you could not say, if you've seen Elijah, you've seen the Father. That doesn't mean Elijah was a bad man. Does, are, you, are you understand what I'm saying here now? Now you could say, 
Because they were, they were mouthpieces for God. And when they stood up in, in, in front of a king or in front of a crowd of people or for that matter in front of a nation and said, thus saith the Lord God, then whatever comes out of their mouth, amen, it would be if you've heard them, you've heard God because they're speaking on God's behalf to the people. Okay. But not if you've seen them. Not if you've seen them. And this helped me a lot. I don't know if it helped some of you, but it helped me a lot. Because, you know, David was a godly man, but he did some ungodly things too. Amen. He was a man after God's own heart, but he, he you know, Bathsheba caught his eye one night. Amen. I'm not judging. I'm just saying, okay. Um, but when it comes to Jesus, everything he said and everything he did watch this now, was not just revealing some things to us about God. Let's go back to it, okay? He declared Him completely, thoroughly, particularly, and finally. In my early days of trying to serve God, I, and, and maybe it was my own confusion and misunderstanding, maybe it was because of some of the sermons that I heard and listened to, but I kind of got this impression of God, maybe some of you can relate to this, I got this impression of God, it's, it's like um, good cop, bad cop, you know, that Jesus was the kind, merciful part of God that, you know, hugged children and carried sheep around, and, but God was the enforcer, Father was the enforcer, you, you know, that He was the heavy hand, um, and, and like Jesus was constantly trying to tell Him not to punish us. You know, am I the only one or no? You know, and you know, I used to think, okay, so you got, you know, you got Father up there just waiting to, you know, just blast us, right? And you got Jesus down here washing our feet, and it's kind of like this whole yin yang, yin and yang kind of thing, you know? It's like, well, they balance each other out. And I said, no, again, lies from the devil, deceptions from the devil. There is no attitude, there is no character trait, there is no, uh, you know, example or demonstration of mercy and love, compassion, wisdom. Amen. So this, this tells us some things then, and, and I think it, it elevates the value in a lot of people's, listen, there's no elevating the value of Jesus in, in reality. I'm talking about it elevates it in our own hearts and minds, right? It, in other words, all of a sudden we realize, it's kind of like, it's kind of like our, our need for Him is absolute. only thing that's changed is our understanding of our need for Him. Um, our need for Him was absolute before we even knew He was. <laughs> okay, <laughs> And so this idea that I need God more today than ever needed Him before in my life. No, you, you've always needed Him more than you even know right now. Are you, are you, are you, okay. And so, so when, it, when it comes to Jesus revealing these things to us, it's, it's the way it's always been. Are you understand what I'm saying? There's this idea that God used to be angry and mad, but he's kind of, you know, like Nick Saban, he's softened up over the years or something. No, 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 amen. He, he, he is loving and kind. And so when I say it elevates it, um, not, we, we magnify him, we elevate him, right? But he's the name above every name. What it, what it does then is it, it adds the value on our side of it it puts, I think, for a lot of people, at least it did for me, um, the life of Jesus in a, in, a, in a greater perspective in the sense that I'm not just learning about Jesus, I'm learning about my Heavenly Father. And so, yes, sir, loud and clear. I'm, I didn't see your hand back there. Two-part question. Um, I 
Okay. And if you're like me, before salvation, I was in a place of didn't know who I was. I didn't think it was a major issue. Okay. Um, that being said, I know now, being a disciple of Christ, discipleship is discovering and fulfilling your God-given destiny. Okay. My value lies within that. What gives me value? If I had my eyes plucked from me, if I got in a serious car wreck and had my legs taken from me, where is my value then? And I think what you would say is discovering and fulfilling your God-given potential. Where is my potential? Like in your words, in the in the in the English Winslet translation, so amen so those they're all recorded they're all in a what's called a vimeo showcase and all 36 of these classes will be right there for you 50 years from now okay so ultimately our value the value of anything is determined by what someone's willing to pay for it right in other words um and and so our value doesn't come from our ability you know we that's the way the world values people oh man you know this person can take a heart out of somebody and put it in somebody else they're valuable no now again they get paid a lot of money for doing that but that's how the world associates value our our worth is determined by god's valuing of us okay in other words the only reason i'm worth anything is because my creator values me and that's that's where my um quote unquote worth as a person so the 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 we'll get to these answers in greater detail but we have to understand the connection between being and doing okay being and doing we're going to talk a little bit about this in the in the main service tonight as it relates to positional and functional oneness, okay? But, but being and doing. So the world tends to place and value, place value on people by what they can do, okay? Um, God values us based upon who we be, who we are to Him. Donald Ballard said something to me one time, and, and he says a lot of things to me all the time, and I love every bit of it, okay? But he said that the Lord told him, he said, Son, when I saved you, I saved a part of myself. Right? So it's, it's who we are to the creator of all things. That's where our ultimate worth um, and acceptance and, and value comes from, right? So with eyes or without them, with legs or without them, you see, because now that, that person in the world's eyes, well, that person can't do very much, you know, and so they're, they're not they're there to be pitied, there to this, there to that, or whatever. That, that's getting... The world always puts the doing ahead of the being, right? So the, the world says, um, you do this to be that. And what you do determines who you be. That's exactly opposite and backwards. It's who you be that determines what you can do. And so that's why God changed our being so that he could ultimately change our doing. And now, the other thing that I would add to this, and we know some about this from the Word of God, and we know some about this 
based upon eyewitnesses that God has provided for us, okay? But Jesus clearly, Jesus clearly revealed to us that in the next life, there will be a lot of similarities to what we have right here. Um, I believe that blue and green are God's favorite colors. So how in the world could you know that? Is that the Bible say that? No, the Bible doesn't say that, but his creation says that. This, he created this world, and it's full of blue and green, dude. I mean, it's got other colors. but, but So in other words, by, by, by just deduction, right, uh, he must really like blue and green because he created blue and green, right? And, and we try to think of life in heaven as being something completely different. Now, it is going to be different and way better than we can comprehend, okay? But there, there are trees in heaven, and that's... In other words, before there was ever a tree on the earth, there was a tree in heaven. In other words, you, you understand what I'm saying? There's grass and water and rivers and all this other stuff in heaven, right? And so God created the, the earth, you know, to be a lot like heaven. And one of the things that Jesus clearly said is that there are folks based upon what they did for him and the commitment that they made to him and, and the things that they were willing to sacrifice for him that one day they get to heaven, he's going to say, I'll tell you what, Donald Ballard, um, why don't you take, um, you know, those 12 cities over there, uh, son, and go rule them because you ruled well on the earth and, 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 you, and you loved and you sacrificed and you gave and you put me first in everything that you do. And, um, and, and, and the, so notice now, but that's all related to what? Some folks had five talent potential. Some folks had three talent potential. Some fo right? He gave to each one according to their ability. Right. We don't all have, all men created equals, not a Bible verse. Now, I'm not, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying there. We, we are not, we all have, I mean, all loved by God the same, but we don't all have the same equal ability and talents and all these other things. But notice now, um, the, it wasn't, it, 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 what happens next is not determined by what a superstar did. It's determined by what you did with what you were given. And then we see that when we get to the other side. Now, I say all that to say, um, God sees our brief window of life here and now but he, he has more than a hundred year plan for our lives. Yes. Amen. And so this is a proving ground and a, and a training ground and a, and a preparation for what he really has for us that comes next. Yes. And, and so we see that people will be rewarded with things like cities. You, you know what I'm saying? And, and I mean, again, what all that looks like and what all that's going to be. Um, rarely do I say things like this, but I'm, I'm going to say this right now. The Bible says that, that one day this whole earth will be filled with the glory of God. Amen. And when this earth one day is filled with new heaven, new earth, and it's filled with the glory of God, we're moving on to the next planet. And, and a billion years from now, uh, a good bit of the universe will be filled with the glory of God. Everything God created is going to be filled with the glory of God. And, and I believe in the same way that he says, uh, uh, you know, Kim, you, you serve my people well. You could have done so much more with your life, but you chose to serve people who were downtrodden and, and social work and served and gave and sacrificed your life. Why don't, why don't, why don't you go take Venus or Saturn, whichever one you want, and, and just go do something with it for my glory? And I know it sounds so bizarre and so far-fetched, but listen, all that, all that stuff out, is out there for a purpose. Are you, are you just what I'm saying? Yeah. So... When, when, God, when God looks at us and places worth and value on us, um, you know, um, book value of a car, you, you understand what that, a book value? 
you know, that's, uh, was it national, not NADA, right? Yeah, they, Kelly Blue Book, you know, you look at that and say, okay, this model car with these features, it, it's worth this amount. That's the book value, okay? Um, the book value goes something like this. What would it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lost his soul? So he's, he's saying, watch this now, he's saying that one individual person is worth more than this whole planet to God. But when it came to our redemption, he didn't use planets to buy us out of our slavery to sin. He sent his son. When the, when the price for you and me was Jesus, Father willingly paid it. Now, I'm just telling you, the only answer I can come to is that he sees value in me that, that maybe I haven't seen in myself yet. I see it more clearly today than I did 30 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever. But how many of you know God's not a fool? And he doesn't pay more or less for something than it's worth. In other words, God wasn't trying to get a bargain on you and me. Well, you know, I'm trying to pay less for us than we were worth, right? Nor did he pay more for us. Than we were. He paid exactly what we were worth to him. So it's these things where we understand our worth and our value and the potential that we have. Because remember, um, we're expecting more than we can produce on our own. And we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. And, and nothing's impossible to him who believes. So I, our potential is none less than the potential of Jesus himself, because greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. And so if, if Father tells you to do it, if you couldn't do it before He told you, you can do it now. Because the power to do it is in, is, is in His Word. To go do it. Amen. To be successful and to, and to accomplish that. So it's, it's I mean, I, obviously I could, praise God, I could just... Say it again. Okay. <laughs> yeah, amen. Amen. Anybody believe it's 640? Where's the time go? Praise God. Praise God. See, Satan is trying to trivialize you. That's, that's one of his main strategies. He's trying to trivialize you. Again, back to response. If you, think you, if you think you can't, if you think you're less than, if you think you're a nobody, if you think, you know, well, then we're going to respond as if we can't, as if we're a victim, as if we're a nobody, as if we're worthless, as if we don't have anything to say or do about it or can't change it or what have you, right? He's trying to trivialize you. He's trying to marginalize you. He's trying to make you think that he's mighty and you're measly when it's just the opposite. He's, he's the one that's been defeated. He's the one that's been clobbered. He's the one that's been stripped of everything that made him one of the most beautiful things God ever created. And he lost his place and he lost his position. And we have no record, we have no record that God even sent a messenger to him to see if he wanted to come back and work it out. But notice when we fail, when we fail, when we turned our back on God, when we waved the middle finger of our life in God's face and said, we don't believe there is a God, we're going to do whatever we want to do, live however we want to live. God didn't say, well, good for you, just go about it. No, He sent His Son to find us, to seek and to save that which was lost, to die a horrible death that we deserved. Watch this now. 
just to give us the opportunity to come back to Him without any guarantee we would. When we say Jesus is perfect theology, you do understand that there was racism back in Jesus' time, right? <laughs> All right? So look at how Jesus dealt with racism. There was such bitter prejudice between the Jews and the Samaritans and the Gentiles, right? Now, Jesus was obviously Jewish born. But, we, I mean, when he said to the Syrophoenician woman that... that um, don't give the children's bread to dogs. You think, man, that's a cruel thing for Jesus to say. I think sometimes Jesus was like almost tongue-in-cheek with her because he was trying to draw her into that place, right? And, and she's like, yes, sir. In other words, she didn't deny that her people live like dogs. And if you understand their history, they did. She said, yes, sir, but even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. Jesus said, I've never seen faith like this. This woman's got great faith. See, now, now notice, this, this, is a, this is somebody that, that, that everybody else looked at as not even human. And some of the things that those people did were not human. Sacrificing their children. I mean, I mean you follow what I'm saying? This was, amen. But again, all these different situations that we have recorded in the Scriptures. You realize, watch this, man. Okay, I don't have time for all this, but we got, amen. Watch this now, okay, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. The Bible says at the end of the Gospel of John that if everything Jesus said and did was recorded in, in volumes, there would not be room enough to contain them, okay? Now, I'm going to use a movie terminology. You know, when they, when they make an hour and a half movie, they may film 100 hours. I don't know nothing about that, but they, they you understand what I'm saying? And then they do what? They cut it down right to the scenes that they then release because there were so many things that Jesus did that never made it to the pages of the Bible that again elevates everything the Holy Spirit said you and I need to hear and know about right are you following this in other words it could be a book this thick it could be a book four feet thick and not cover it all. So there's a reason why all of these unique situations were, were, were brought together by the Holy Spirit. It's because each one of those is showing you, watch this now, what God would do. Woman caught in the act of adultery. That wasn't the only time they tried to embarrass him publicly. Threw at Jesus' feet. What are you going to do about this, right? Well, now see, again, Jesus didn't sweep her sin under the rug. But what he, in essence, said was, instead of them dragging you outside the city gate and killing you for your sin, I'm going to let them drag me outside the city gate and kill me for your sin. Amen. So again, but notice now, what is he doing in that? He's showing us what our Heavenly Father's like. He's showing us the heart of our Father. He's showing us His nature, His character, His, his personality, His mercy, His hasid, His loving kindness right there for us to watch. If you've seen me, Jesus said, you've seen my Father. Father, you're good to us. Thank you for helping us tonight. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for these times, Lord. They're precious, Lord, where your Holy Spirit is with us and among us and upon us and in us and your Holy Word is being spoken and, you're, and we're hearing it and receiving it. And Lord, it's becoming a part of us. It's becoming engrafted into us as we receive it with meekness. 
Father, thank you tonight that we will never look at the four Gospels that contain the life of Jesus on this earth the same ever again. But Father, we will recognize them for what you intended for them to be, Lord. And that is the final authority on who you are and what you're like. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for this time together. Satan, you will not steal this word from those in this room and those watching online. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, know that you love. Thank you so much for being here.